let's welcome Brother Travis as he comes. God bless you, Elder. Thank you, Brother Clark. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, the rest of you. Everybody say, praise the Lord. God bless you if you have your Bible and want to turn with us to 2 Kings chapter 5. I'll read one verse, but I am delighted to be here at this SALT conference. I guess I feel kind of like the old gentleman that decided to enter his old mule in the Kentucky Derby. And uh, somebody said to him, said, Sir, you don't really think that old mule will win in the Kentucky Derby, do you? He said, No, not really. But he said, I think the company is good for him. So I, I feel like the company is good for me. I like what I felt here last night. I enjoyed the preaching. And I'm looking forward to Brother McLean, Brother Bourne, and then, of course, others that will be speaking tonight, tomorrow, and tomorrow night. In 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 13, And his servants came near and spake unto him, and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Would you pray and ask God to bless his word to our hearts? God bless your word to our hearts today. Allow the Holy Ghost to overshadow us. Speak to us, Lord, through your word, through your spirit. I pray that every ear would be anointed to hear and every mind and heart would be open and receptive to receive your word. And everybody said in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. The minister faced his congregation. His manner was grave, and he said, My subject this Sunday is the contemporary socioeconomic status of the disenfranchised, impoverished black recipients of less than their rightful dues under the constitutional guarantees afforded Americans of Caucasian heritage. And a lady looked at her husband and said, what did he say? He said he's going to talk about the mess we're in. So I want to talk about the mess we're in. But I'm going to give you some solutions to the mess we're in. All right? It's one thing to talk about the mess. It's another thing to talk about the solution. Now... The scripture text that I chose to read, you know, is very familiar, and so I will not take a lot of time going into the background of the scripture text. But you remember when uh, Naaman, the Bible said he was the captain of the host of the king of Syria. He was a very honorable man, but he was a leper. And there was a little slave girl that said, If my master only knew, 
there's a man of God in my country that if he could just get to him, all of his problems would be taken care of. So the scriptures tell us that he went to the king and the king wrote letters to the king of Israel and he got in his Cadillac chariot and went down to that man of... Well, first of all, he went to the king and the king was somewhat disturbed and rent his clothes and said, My God, that I can heal, that I can give life, I can take life. And uh, Elisha heard about it and he said, uh, don't, don't be upset, king, just send him down. I'll take care of everything. So he went down to the man of God's house. And the Bible tells us that when he got there, that he did not even show him the courtesy to come out and talk to him. In fact, he sent his servant, and he said, you go tell him to go jump in the lake. Not exactly that way, but he said, just go to Jordan and dip seven times. And uh, when he said that, Naaman went away in a rage. He was so angry. He said, Behold, I thought that he would come out and strike his hand over the place and heal me of this leprosy. How many times have our preconceived ideas hindered us from what God really wants to do? Behold, I thought. But Elisha said, you go down and dip in Jordan seven times. And he went away in a rage. And the servant said to him, Master, if he would have bid thee to do some great thing, perhaps you would have done that. But now he just said, simply said, go dip in Jordan and be healed. And now you go away in a rage and angry. I want to talk to you today on the subject. Simple solutions to complex problems. Too many times we have a tendency to complicate the very simple truths of God's Word and God's plan and what He wants to do for us. Everyone has problems. So when I talk about problems, I, I don't have to worry about whether I'm preaching to the congregation. One preacher was preaching one time and said, Look, I want everybody to understand I'm not talking to anybody here. And uh, now I heard this. And in my heart I was saying, Well, sit down. I mean, you're wasting our time. Now, I'm going to talk to folks in Jackson, Mississippi today, all right? I don't think it's doing any good for me to talk to folks in New York or California. So I'll talk to folks that are here. And I will tell you that everybody has problems. And to say that no one creates problems for you, you're probably mowing the grass in the cemetery. Because everybody has got some problems somewhere. We're frustrated. People are nervous. They're irritable. Uh, everywhere you turn. Somebody said, you know what a honk a second is? A honk a second is the split second of time between the traffic light turning green and somebody honking their horn behind you. That's how impatient people are today. Everywhere you turn, people are nervous, they're irritable, they're cross. But I would declare unto you that one of the culprits for a lot of the mess that we're in today, and pardon my terminology, but the problems that we're faced with today 
is compromise with the 60s generation. They promise to improve our world by throwing out morality. They promise to give us liberation from the traditional families. And they said we want unrestrained expression. And they promised pharmaceutical enlightenment, simply meaning that the kids could go to the medicine cabinet in the home and find what they needed to get on a high. And let me tell you, friend, our world today is in trouble when it comes to the drug problem. Now, we can bury our head in the sand like the proverbial ostrich and pretend that everything is all right. And this is not a pessimist nor a calamity howler when I tell you that our world is shaking like a bowl of jelly. The politicians do not have the answer. I don't think anybody has the answer, but I've got an answer today from the Word of God. The Word of God has the answer. Oh, it's not in some psychological trick. You could try every trick of the trade, every psychological angle that can be explored, but it's going to come back to the simplicity of the Word of God and the Bible if we get an answer to the complicated problems of our society. Somebody shout hallelujah. So they, they go to the medicine cabinet and they find what they want. Hey, if you want to get on a high, you just get what I'm talking about today. There is nothing to compare to this wonderful experience of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad I'm a one God, Jesus name, tongue, talking, apostolic, Holy Ghost filled believer in the liberated power in Jesus name. But the 60s generation promised sexual freedom. They promised to end poverty. They talked about preferential treatment to the young and to the strong. But I promise you that their uh, the compromise that we had with that generation did not produce utopia. Instead, it has produced chaos. It's produced confusion. It's con produced uncertainty. It has produced a generation that's floundering and do not know which direction they're going. And I'm here to tell you that it's not going to be some social program that will give direction to our world today. It's going to be the simple answer of the Word of God that's going to give us the direction. Bizarre things are happening. When we look at a generation that compromised all the values and the principles that's brought us to where we are, instead of them producing a time of utopia on every man sitting under his vine, under his fig tree, they have produced some bizarre things that are happening. For instance, today there are Christian prostitutes in their terminology. They're saying uh, in one particular case, one uh, prostitute said to another, I want you to pray with me that God will send me some more business. Um, Paul Harvey told the story of the Funny Bunny Church. He said the Funny Bunny Church, they have a couple of hours of scripture reading and worship and prayer. And then after that, they bring in their babes and their alcoholic drinks. The founder said, God told me in a dream to establish this unusual church. I'm talking about bizarre things, unthinkable things. 
No connection, but Nature Magazine put it this way. The world is wobbling on its axis. And then when God-fearing, decent, respectable people express outrage, somebody says that we're out of step and we're outdated and we're a square. But I'm here to tell you that we're not outdated. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew 24 and 35 said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. David sang in Psalms 119 and 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. We better get back to the basics, get back to the word of God, because that's where the answer is. Oh, shout hallelujah. You can be seated. But when we express outrage, people say you're outdated. You're an old fogey. And I'm going to tell you, it outrages me because people are not outraged. When I see some of the things that are happening, a popular talk show host in an attempt to humiliate a conservative guest made this statement, I quote, The trouble with you conservatives is that you have such simple answers to complex problems. And the guest responded by saying, The trouble with you liberals is that you've ignored the simple answers and that's why the problems have become complex. Listen to me, friends. Simple answers still work when they're applied to the things that really matter. Now, Naaman wanted healing from his leprosy, but he was looking in the wrong direction. He was looking in the direction of human logic and human reasoning. Listen to me, friend. You cannot reason this thing. Sometimes God tells you to do things that are totally contrary to, uh, to, to logic and to reason. What logic is there to going down and dipping in a muddy river and getting your healing? There's no logic to that whatsoever. But he was looking to the logical side of it. Uh, behold, I thought some preconceived ideas how God's going to do it. Let me tell you something, friend. When God gets ready to work, he will bypass all of the education all the philosophy, all the traditions, and then God will do it His way and shock us out of our mind. Tell me what logic is there of winning a battle but just marching around the wall. Just marching around and then everybody starts shouting and then all of a sudden the walls are going to fall down. There's no logic to that. But when God does it, He said it's a simple answer. Just do it God's way. Hey, I, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room now. I believe that God's trying to say something to us today. But too many are looking in the wrong direction. You can be seated. A man that was almost deaf said he uh, checked out a hearing aid and it was too expensive. Said there's no way that he could pay the price of a hearing aid. So he took a piece of wire and bent it around his ear. Somebody said to him, said, you know that piece of wire doesn't uh, make you hear any better. He said, no, but it just makes everybody talk louder. <laughs> that, that's not the answer. 
Too many are looking in the wrong direction for the answer. Looking for happiness in familiar spirits. The occult. Hey, don't you forget it. It's rampant in our world today. You would be surprised how many people in high positions are resorting to witchcraft and familiar spirits to give them direction. I believe God has given us the direction from His Word. Uh, there was two men that walked into a, a place. They were in the house building business. Now, I heard this testimony in one of our churches. And uh, when I tell you the story, you may think a little bit strange, but I'm telling you that there is a real devil. I said, there's a real devil. A couple of little boys argued about it one time. One of them said, no, I don't think there's a real devil. The other said, oh, yes, there is. And the other one said, no, I think it's like Santa Claus. I think it's your daddy. Well, there is a real devil, and he does have power. And uh, if you don't believe the devil has power, all you've got to do is just look in the book. But I will tell you this, and I don't have time to go into all that. I don't believe that the devil has near as much power as he wants us to think he's got. He doesn't have near the power that a lot of folks think he's got. I'll tell you what, that when the devil fell, he took one-third of the angels with him. And the Bible said one angel killed 185,000 one night. So angels are pretty powerful. But when the devil fell, God did not strip him of his power. I think he could have. But he didn't. He left him with his power. But I don't believe he gave him any more power. I think he had the power of one angel. And when the devil fell, he took a third of the angels with him. But thank God there was two-thirds that didn't go with him. In any way you want to look at it, I've got him outnumbered two to one. But I haven't even talked about Jesus yet. When I put Jesus into the equation, that makes all the difference in the world. Hey, look, if the devil would have been successful to get every one of the angels to go with him, and then I had Jesus Christ on my side, I'm still in the majority. I said, I'm still in the majority if I've got Jesus on my side. Somebody say yes. You can be seated. Now, these young men said they were laying tile and said that all of a sudden the tile was on the floor and he watched that tile as it just raised up off the floor. And he said, I pushed it back down. And he said, in a little bit, I saw it rise up off the floor again. And he said, I turned to my friend and said, did you see what I just saw? He said, I sure did. He said, what do you think? He said, I think it's an evil spirit. And he said, at that moment, we said, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the power and authority of the Word of God in the name of Jesus, I take dominion and power over every foul, unclean spirit that's in this place. I command you to go. And said it never happened again. He said a few days later, this woman called. He didn't realize it, but she was a witch. And she called and said, come back over to my house. And when he got there, she said, I don't know what you've done to my house. But I can't even walk across that tile floor. Let me tell you something, friend. When the name of Jesus Christ and the blood is applied, there are no spirits in the world that can combat the power of the name of Jesus Christ. 
I'm talking about a simple solution to the problems of a mixed up world. All we need is the name of Jesus Christ and the power of God and the victory is ours. Oh, let's praise Him one time, everybody. Let's give glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You can be seated. But too many folks are looking in the wrong places. And, and I could tell you some stories of young people that have experimented with familiar spirits and uh, they're reading material that they don't need to be reading. There's some things you don't expose your mind to. Let me tell you the filth and the pollution of this world. And let me stop long enough to insert this. One thing that we're confronted with today that we have no choice, we cannot take a position against computers. It's here to stay. In fact, I am personally convinced that the computer will be the medium through which the Antichrist will take his seat. And I believe that the computers are here to stay. But let me tell you something, friend. The Internet is the devil slipping up on the blind side of a lot of folks, and they're being trapped with some things that you need to understand that once you get off into some of those areas, it's hard to make the trip back. The Jewish rabbi said that in Israel they forbid their people to be on Internet. They said it's one thousand times worse than television. And I'm against television. I believe that television is wrong. But there's some ungodliness and there's some filth and there's some pollution on the Internet that you better have enough of God in your heart to keep you from those things. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, don't, don't, you can be seated. Don't say that Brother Travis is preaching against the Internet. I'm not. But I'm preaching against the evils. There's a spirit there. And we better be aware of that spirit. You can try to figure it all out if you want to, but it, it boils down to one simple solution. The simple solution, if I've got God in my heart, if I've got some deep convictions, I don't care whether it's Internet, I don't care whether it's television, I don't care what it is, if it's in my heart, I will keep myself from those devilish things that are going to send people to hell. Oh, yeah, we preached against uh, 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 many things down through the years, but now it's, it's boiled down to a point that technology has outstripped us, and if you don't have it in your heart, honey, you're just not going to make it. I said you've got to get it in your heart. It's got to be there strong enough that if nobody's looking. Have you ever heard that old expression, I wish I could become invisible and be a fly on the wall? Let me tell you something, friend. Whatever you would do, if you could be invisible, that's what you are. In fact, just in the last week, I heard some stories of some people that were so distraught, so disturbed. They were torn up over the fact of people that has gotten hooked 
on internet and getting into things that they shouldn't be there. Oh, yeah, there's good there. There's a lot of good there. But, dear God, there's so much evil. And the potential is unlimited for evil. So what I'm trying to say to you folks, get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. If you've got it in your heart, you don't have to worry about it. And, and if I had time, I could go into Ezekiel, and I could tell you from chapter 8 and chapter 14, I could tell you that God made it very, very clear it's that which is taking place in the secret, secret place that God's looking at. God's, oh yeah, He sees the outside. I'm not saying He doesn't look at the outside. But I'm going to tell you what's more important. God sees the inside. And He sees what's going on. And if your heart is not right, ultimately that body is going to join the heart. Let's lift our hands and praise Him. Praise God. People are looking for happiness in the wrong place. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My son-in-law had a problem with his car, took it to a garage. They worked on it, corrected the problem, but when he got his car back, he had a knock that was not there before they started working. And after he uh, took it back, they checked it out and thought maybe they'd corrected the problem, came back, it was still there. Ultimately, he spent a couple of hundred dollars more for them to do some more work, and uh, still the problem was there. And ultimately, they gave up. They said, we don't know what the problem is. We've done everything we know to do. Uh, there's nothing more that we know to do. His dad works for a car dealership. His dad told one of the mechanics at the dealership the problem. The mechanic said, oh, that's simple. So one little washer that they left off. If they put that little washer there, everything will be all right. They went back in that motor, put that little washer there. That corrected the problem. Such a simple solution to a complex problem. Go to the doctor, stomach bothering you, upset. And uh, in the conversation, you mentioned the fact that you've got an ingrown toenail, and the doctor starts treating the ingrown toenail. He can treat that ingrown toenail from now to doomsday, but if that's not the problem, it's not going to correct your problem. You've got to get to the root, to the cause. It's a simple solution, complex problems, when it gets to the place that nobody has the answer. There was a little woman in the Bible that had an issue of blood. And she took her finances and invested all of that in the best doctors in the country. And ultimately, the Bible said she spent all that she had. And she continued to get worse. And when it reached the place that there was nowhere else to turn and no more money, then she decided to try a simple solution. What is the simple solution if I can just push my way through that crowd and if I can just reach out and touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And you know the rest of the story. That little woman pressed her way through that crowd and she touched the hem of his garment and the issue of blood was healed. So simple. Just simple faith. All the money and all the doctors could not do it. But she found that simple solution. The prodigal son was 
standing looking at the hogs eat. And no doubt he was at the point. The Bible said he fain would have filled his belly with the husk that the hogs did eat. If you want to put that in our terminology, he was so hungry till he was ready to start eating with the hogs. And uh, he could have uh, reasoned logically, well, the reason I've uh, wasted all my inheritance on riotous living and the reason that I've uh, gone to the wild parties and the reason I've done all the things is because my dad and mom, when I was a little boy, I wanted to stop at McDonald's and get a happy meal and they wouldn't do it. So I'm blaming it on them. Hey, let me tell you, everybody's blaming somebody else. Listen to me carefully when I say this. As long as you blame your problems on somebody else or circumstances, you will always have problems. Nobody wants to accept responsibility. That prodigal son could have said, my dad's to blame, my mom's to blame, my brother's to blame. But all of a sudden he decided, the Bible said he came to himself. And he decided the simple thing is for me just to arise and go back to dad and say, Dad, I failed. I'm wrong. And I want you to forgive me. And I'm willing to even become a hired servant. But before that son ever got to that part, when he fell on his dad's neck, and they began to embrace, and they began to weep, the dad said, go kill the fatted calf, and go get the ring, and put on his hand, and get the robe, and put on him. My son was dead, but he's alive. Hey, friend, the simple solution is, is just come face to face with the reality. I am wrong. I have sinned. I've done wrong. I'm repenting. I'm going to Dad's house, and God is willing to accept you. Paul Harvey said the Y2K problem cost this world $500 billion. And the solution was so simple to begin with. All they had to do was just make space for two more numbers. But ultimately it cost $500 billion, a half a trillion dollars. And there's people today that have little simple problems that begin to evolve into greater problems and greater problems and greater problems. Too many are trying to complicate the solutions to the moral and the spiritual problems of our day. I, I was on a committee that was called by uh, the senators, and, and they, they brought in doctors, and they brought in preachers, and they brought in uh, businessmen, and they brought in legislators, and we divided up into committees, and we started talking about the drug problems, and what can we do about the problem? The simple solution is just say no. It's that simple. Just say no. The solution to the teenage pregnancies is simple. Just abstain from sex until marriage. The marriage problems that we have today. In our, did you know in the state of Mississippi in 1996 that there were more people divorced in this state than there were that got married?
Hey, friend, that tells me that our world is in need of an answer. I'll tell you the answer is get back to the basics, get back to the altar, get back to simplicity, get back to the principles and the values of the Word of God. The solution is simple. Praise God. Now, when Jesus came into this world, darkness had been the order of the day. The beautiful temple had been desecrated. It had arisen a time and time again as an imperishable symbol of truth and righteousness and a type of that temple that was made without hands. But when Jesus came, darkness had been for like 400 years from Malachi to Matthew that there had been total darkness, no visions, no prophets. And, uh, and the people with a desire for liberation from the Roman captivity thought that the Messiah is going to come and He's going to break the yoke of the Roman government and He's going to give us peace and liberty. We're going to find our, our, our freedom again when, when our Messiah comes and, and destroys the Roman government. But they had a complicated thing fixed in their mind. Let me tell you, to overthrow a government is not an easy thing. All you've got to do is go back and, and read some of the stories and hear some of the things that, that take place that when you overthrow a government, there is a lot involved in it. Uh, a guy talked to me that was in uh, that was a spy during the time that Hitler was in, in office in power, and Adolf Hitler uh, purposed that he was going to rule the world. And uh, when the, the United States and Russia combined their strength to come against Germany and against Adolf Hitler, they had spies that were placed in strategic places. And this man that was a spy said, all I did was receive the messages from these other spies, and it was my responsibility to communicate that message to the president. He said, I'll tell you how classified it was. He said, if I received a message, and there's another guy in the room with me, I could not relay that message to him for fear that there may be a leak. He said, I had one person that I could relay that message to. They decoded it. And then um, scrambled it up, however they do that, then sent it on to the president. The president would make some decisions and maneuvers that nobody could figure out why he did that. And uh, it was because the right-hand man of Adolf Hitler was a spy for the United States. And the man that was his top officer, that he would... He would uh, send the signals in what Hitler plans to do, and then those plans were thwarted because they knew what his strategy was. And uh, he said it reached the place that after the United States and Russia had agreed that the U.S. would back off and Russia would come in and invade, and the news came to Adolf Hitler within three days they will be moving in. And Adolf Hitler knew that it was a hopeless case. He said, there's two things that I want to do. First of all, or three things. He said, first of all, I want to get married to my mistress. And then secondly, I want to have a big reception. So 
he married her. They had a big reception. And then he said to his top officer, I'm going into the private quarters, and I want you to bring a cyanide tablet for my wife. And she was privy to what was going on and was in agreement with what Hitler was doing. Hitler said to him, if I don't, I have tried to surrender and they will not let me. If I don't commit suicide, they will cut my head off and parade it through the streets that I have been conquered. And I don't want that. So he gave his wife a cyanide tablet. And then Adolf Hitler stuck a gun here and killed himself. No sooner than he pulled the trigger, this spy informed our people that Adolf Hitler is now dead, and then the President of the United States knew about it. The man that told me this story said, I was there when it happened. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that it is so complicated that when you get into war and you get into trying to overthrow a nation, it is a gigantic task. And that's what the Jews were expecting Messiah to do, to lead an insurrection, to lead a revolt and a rebellion against the Roman government, overpower them, set up a kingdom upon this world. But God said, no, that's not the way I want to do it. That's too complicated. The simple solution is that he said, I'll set up a kingdom within the hearts of men. If the kingdom is in the heart of the man, the man will be changed. If the man is changed, the society is changed. If the society is changed, the world is changed. I'm here to tell you that the simple solution is get God in the hearts of men. Oh, come on, let's praise the Lord, everybody. Lay your hand on somebody and let's pray for each other right now that God will help us to get back to the basics of the Word of God and the simplicity of God's plan. Do it, Jesus. I feel God trying to talk to us right now. I'm talking about a simple solution to complex problems. Let's give God a chance right now to do something in our hearts. God wants to change our hearts to change our world. Be seated for just a minute. I want the musicians to play. And I'm telling you, we can preach till we're blue in the face. And tell folks to stay away from the evils of internet, to stay away from the television, to stay away from the hell holes of the world. We can preach till we're blue in the face. We can work our fingers to the bone. But until we get to the simple solution of just getting Jesus in the hearts of people, we still got problems. We're going to still have teenage pregnancies. They'll sit on our Pentecostal pews and then go out and, and commit fornication. But if you get Jesus in their hearts, you don't have to worry about that.
No, they won't be experimenting with drugs when they get Jesus in their heart because whatever Jesus wants, that's what they want. Naaman almost missed his healing. Almost missed it by trying to complicate it. The simple solution is just dip seven times. And he went down the first time. But Well, he argued. He said, look, there's two rivers back in my country that are much clearer and much cleaner than old muddy Jordan. Why can't I go back there? And I'll tell you why. Because the simple solution was God said, go to Jordan. Go to any other river you want to go to. It's not going to work. You just simply do it because he said it. And he almost missed it because he tried to complicate it. But he went down the first, the second, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, and the sixth. And no doubt he looked at himself after each time, and the leprosy was still there. And no doubt he thought, when I go down this seventh time, if I can come up and that leprosy is healed, it'll be worth it. I don't care how bad the scar is, just so the leprosy is gone. But when he came up that seventh time, not only was the leprosy gone, but the Bible said his skin was as the skin of a baby. He had the skin of a baby. No scars. When God does it, He does it well. Oh, it seems so simple. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That seems so simple. But it works. I said it works. I've seen those situations where I thought I had it all figured out. And I don't have time to tell you the story. But I was in the church where I was pastoring. I was on this side of the the pulpit. And I was kneeling down. And I'm very careful to say God spoke to me. But I'm totally convinced that God spoke to me that day. Not in an audible voice, but a deep impression. And God gave me a simple solution to a major problem. In fact, probably the most difficult problem I'd ever faced in my ministry. And it was so simple till I talked myself out of it. I went back the next day and I was praying and God spoke to me again in that deep impression. And the answer was still the same. I went home and talked to my wife about it told my wife what I felt that God had told me. And my wife looked at me and she said, and you have to understand, you have to know my wife. She's not the type to try to control my ministry. She is probably one of the greatest examples of a helpmeet. And I say that after 42 years. And, uh, 
Anybody that knows her knows I'm telling the truth. But she looked at me, and she began to talk to me, and she said, well, that, you know, it just doesn't seem right. I, I just, uh, well, that's not you. It was so simple. And she talked me out of it. So I went back to prayer the third day. And I am totally convinced that I heard God say, okay, son, that's fine. Just go ahead and do it your way. And you'll mess it all up. But if you'll just do it my way, I'll take care of the problem. I said, that's enough, Lord. And I did it. Logical? Absolutely not. In fact, I have never done anything like that in all of my ministry before that. Neither have I done it since then. But it was such a simple solution to a complex problem. All I had to do was just do it His way. If somehow I can hear God talking today, recognize His voice, and just do what He says, that's all. Joshua, how we're going to take Jericho and just march. And then when it's all over the seventh day, seven times, everybody shout. And that's going to take a city. Simple solution. Complex problem. I'm telling you today, whatever your problem is, I don't care what it is, there is a simple solution. Let's get back to the Word of God. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands and our hearts together one more time.